Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time, and this is going to be a video that everybody needs to watch. And yes, I know my camera is flickering. I'm sorry. We tried to reboot. I decided to record the video anyway. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing great. Yes. I'm doing great. I'm very suspicious of the fact that you're reading this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a real person. <laughs> I think you're you're I think you're a a hologram a holographic projection. I like it. Yeah. So yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that just makes me chuckle. Hey, so we were uh, I cut off number two because I think this needed its own video, and that is, what are some of the oddities, strangeness, warning signs you see in syndications? I will share what I'm seeing. I'm an accredited investor. I get um, dozens a week, and they are getting worse and worse. And uh, you were bringing up something that I had not seen, or at least not recognized. And it scares me. So go ahead. So there, okay. So let's sort of back this up a little bit. When you are doing a syndication, it is a good idea to raise a little bit of extra money than, than you need just for the costs that you have, you know, the, the down yes. payment and the closing mm -hmm. costs and things like that. Because it is, it is prudent to have a reserve fund sure. so that you have cash on hand to make repairs that are coming up. Yeah, and, just and in also, case stuff. Yep. Right. And then you don't have to take it out of your cash flow and you can still pay your investors the preferred return and you mm -hmm. sort of can catch up. You can kind of be like your own bank if you have a reserve fund, right? So yep. it's just a prudent thing to do. However, what is happening now is people are raising a lot of money and they are using, you know, some of it is ostensibly for their value add, which is fine, right? Yeah. But they are also... Now they are paying their investors back their preferred return. We're not paying them back, but they're paying them the preferred return out of those funds, right? Wow. They're basically saying to their investors, hey, we're going to, we're raising all this extra money so that we can pay you back. You know, we can pay you, sorry, I keep on saying back. It's not back. We can pay you your preferred return during the value add. Now value add typically has been like the way you really do it. You're not going to be, you know, your cash flow is going to be in, in, in not so great because yeah, you're emptying you're emptying apartments out, you're turning them, you're going to have a lot of vacancy, mm -hmm. right? But the idea is it's all going to be worth it in the end to you because right. you're going to have units that are a lot more valuable. It can be rented for a lot more money. So in the long run, this is in your benefit. You should forego some short-term cash in return for long-term profits, right? Yeah. That are going to be much better. That's the idea. But now people are trying to entice investors into deals by basically saying, oh, you know, Rehab, no problem. We're going to pay you anyway. Well, where's the money coming from? It's coming from the money you just gave me. I'm just going to- Yeah, I'm going to give it back to you in yeah, little pieces. You're, you're going to give me a hundred bucks and I'm going to give you 8% of that and I'm going to call it a preferred return. Wow. Right? And so so, uh, so we're seeing that is happening quite a bit, right? Another thing that is happening quite a bit mm -hmm. is, uh, the. It, so we've talked a lot about interest only 
looked at. That's what right? I've seen. And you, yeah. so, you brought that to my attention. The dependence on interest only. Right, right. To make the, your, <sighs> your, your, to get your returns to where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of like, this is sort of like value add in reverse in a sense, right? Because you're basically saying like, hey, we're just not going to get that much at loan amortization yep. over the course of this deal. So yeah, we'll pay you more cash now, but on the back end, you're not going to make as much money. Uh, and we're going to kind of hope that once this loan goes to full amortization in three years, that you know we'll all be okay and we'll have added mm-hmm. enough value. Now, interest only is very helpful if you're doing a value add because of what mm-hmm. I just talked about, because your yeah. cash flow is less. So it's good. However, people are now buying just regular straightforward non-value add deals with interest only debt, you know, for three or five years. I've even heard rumors of fully interest only loans, right? I think there's some private, some private lenders out there that are willing to do that. Right. And it's, it's just become kind of crazy that people, and it's, if you think about it, it's just like adding more leverage to your deal. Oh right. yeah, it's, so, yeah. And again, I, I kind of in episode two, I talked about this. I want to hit it again. I am seeing the same behavior in multifamily with, oh, by the way, much bigger dollars that I saw right. in 06, 07. Bad, right. bad, strep, bad debt structures being increasingly worse. The other thing I've seen right. recently is uh, what I'll call unrealistic rent growth, right? Oh, They've yeah. taken historical rent growth, which is two or 3% and said the last year was 10. So I'm going to do eight. I'm like, are you Let's, freaking kidding me? I was about to talk about that too, but just oh. to finish up this conversation. So what's your, so with, you know, this interest only debt, it's basically like adding more debt mm-hmm. to your, you know, to your, to your property. Right. And so, and the lenders tell me, oh, well, you know, you, it still has to be, even if it's interest only, it still has to work as a fully amortizing yeah. underwritten yeah. loan. But what, what that means is 1.25 X like coverage, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. at 1.25x, you are not making any money for yourself. And you're uh-uh. not making it. I mean, you might be paying your investors a little bit. And that is if nothing comes up on the yeah. property. It means it means you have no CapEx on the property at all. Right. Exactly. Or you've raised, or you've raised a big fund and you're paying it all out of that and you're using the cash flow to pay investors, but, you, but you're not making any money yourself. No. Right, because that's just not enough coverage. No, you need to be up if you're a syndicator in traditional syndication deals, you need to be up at about 1.5 or 1.6, right, to really be making money for yourself. So, but so the deal, the lenders will lend on the deal, but yeah. at 1.25x, you're not making any money. So, interest only that allows you to yes. have some profit, right? But of course, what happens is this is all being there was a moment when that was great. But now yeah. everybody's getting that debt, which means the prices have just risen and you've, out, you've now arbitraged away yeah. that, that right there. That, that benefit, price. yeah. So, I agree. So, there, so there's that. Then there's, before we get to the rent growth thing, which is an underwriting issue, but in terms of a structure issue, we're seeing a lot of deals come with preferred equity. Yes. Right? Now, now, preferred equity, if you don't know what that means, it is kind, it's sort of a debt and equity hybrid right? Usually the way that preferred equity is structured, there's some big private equity. This is not usually like little guys get to do it. I mean, you'll see some deals that have that say we have preferred equity and that's sort of simple preferred equity and it's basic. And that's not what I'm talking about here. That's just kind of having two different kinds of equity. One Mm -hmm. 
is participating in the back end and one is not, but it gets a higher preferred return and, and it comes first. The preferred equity I'm talking about is usually from some very sophisticated like family office or private equity fund. And how it works is they are going to get, you know, like a big preferred return, like 12% a year. They're going to get, they're going to get a payoff when they're taken out. Uh, that's, it's not referred to as equity, but they basically are going to get some additional points to bring their return up to say 15% annualized when they're taken out. They often have to be taken out after a certain amount of time, which, which means that you have to value add, uh, raise the value, refinance the debt and have enough left over to take them out, right? And if you don't take them out, then they basically get to not, not foreclose on the deal and wipe out the, the LPs, but they will take over the, mm. from the, the sponsor's position, right? They'll boot out the sponsor and take over the deal. Wow. And so now a lot of the sponsors are, are kind of the numbers, right? The numbers, if you're an LP, uh, the numbers, this makes the numbers look better, right? Because these guys are not participating in the upside. Right. So there's supply. So it's sort of like debt because they're not participating much in the, or they're participating a little bit, they get taken out, but they're not, they're usually not going to be around at the sale. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so the LPs, you, you know, if you got some private equity there, uh, so, so preferred equity there, you need fewer LPs, right? You need less LP equity mm -hmm. and there, and the LP equity is getting all of the sale return. So it juices the numbers a lot, right. makes them look really good. Right. And it's great if it all works out. The mm -hmm. problem was if it all doesn't work, if it doesn't work out, you just now have additional, an additional layer in front of you that's going to collect before you do. Yeah. And if they don't get paid their full nut, mm -hmm. you don't get paid anything, right? Exactly. And they jump and now, the line. Yeah. And now here's the thing that, I, and so it acts like debt in that way, in both the fact that it makes the deal better, it's more leverage, right? But leverage always makes the deal riskier, right? Mm -hmm. And in my brief one semester in business school, in my finance class, I remember my professor saying, how much leverage should you take? And he said, as much as you dare, right? And mm -hmm. that's that was the rule. Now in, in multifamily, they limit you to 75%. So maybe you would like to take more. They used to let you take more before the financial crisis, but they stopped. They said, you can't take more than 75% now. But so now that the market has gone haywire, people are now, they've found this like, thing that sort of acts like more debt that uh but it's not officially debt so it doesn't violate your loan covenants right but mm -hmm. it's it's if you're an lp you better believe that this is essentially more debt that's in front of you with the one exception that they can't foreclose and wipe you out right but who knows maybe they can in some deals and you better be careful like if you yeah. see pre preferred equity ahead of you you better really understand what its rights are right but this just adds risk to your deal. So if things are going great, you're going to be happy because you're going to make more money. But if things are not going great, it means you're going to make less money. And the, the thing that I really dislike about this is that these private equity firms that are investing, they're, I mean, they're falling all over themselves to invest preferred equity. Why is that, right? Rather than, rather than equity. Well, Why I, is think, it? I don't know. I'm going to guess they, they're seeing uh, buying at a discount in the they know, right, that essentially they look at all these little guys who are LPs yeah. Yeah. 
yep. as their as cushion. Exactly. They're like they're like these. We can get into these deals and and kind of demand really great economics for ourselves mm-hmm. without taking the risk of equity and basically using you know. So if if there's a like a five percent, you get seventy five percent debt and you get a five percent you know preferred equity slug and there's twenty percent of 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 common equity those private equity firms are looking at you that 20% is their cushion. Cause they're like, exactly. This thing can lose 20% of its value. And all those guys can get wiped out before we're hurt. And that's why we want to be, that's why we yeah. want to be there. Exactly. That's why they want this deal. Right. Because they're saying this is safe for us because of all those guys. Right. If exactly. there weren't the, if there weren't the LPs behind them, it wouldn't be as attractive for them. So they're basically using those people hmm. as their cushion, right? So wow. if you are an LP and you see private equity uh, you know, coming in for a preferred equity slice and they're going to tell you, oh, this is good for you because it's, you know, it's going to yeah. increase your returns. You have to understand that may be true. Yeah. It absolutely may be true, but you have just increased your risk in the deal. Yeah, and and there's sure. a reason why, there's a reason why so many people are offering preferred equity. Oh, right I agree. Because yeah, they this, know. Yeah. Especially if, especially if you're worried about a crash, right? If you're worried about a crash, you want to be higher up in, yeah, in the capital totally. stack, right? You yeah. don't want to be at the bottom of the capital stack where the equity is. You want to be higher up. Mm-hmm. So that's also why private lending is so hot right now, because a lot of those people are looking at it as like, hey, I'm, you know, I've got a 25 or a 30% cushion ahead yeah. of me. And my, my worst case scenario is... I get to foreclose on this. And now I've got this asset for a fraction of what it was, what it was originally worth. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm seeing it all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's, I I would just, I just want LPs to realize people that are, that you're, that the chances of your investment going to zero are greater than they used to be just with the deal structures I'm seeing. Yeah. And also where we are in the market. Yeah, of course. And, and, and we know that, we know that the vast majority of deals will not go to zero. I mean, that's one of the great things about real estate, right? Yep. It, it, but the the more complex, the more you pay, and the more complex you make it, and the more mouths that have to be fed, and the more complicated the structures are, you know, the more opportunity there is for something yeah. to go to go wrong. There and will the, the, be LPs that go to zero. I just oh, don't oh know. yeah yeah there will be oh yeah no I mean I've I've heard a few stories right so, um, but. Uh, then the last thing is this is underwriting, which I you're now the second person I've been hearing this from where people are in order to hit the numbers that they need to hit to entice the investors into the deals. They're just underwriting things really unrealistically. Like, oh, they're cra- it's like you know, they're not even they, it's like there's not even a reality test. Some of the numbers I've seen in the last month or so, I'm like, you guys realize that this rent growth we've seen is is an anomaly, not 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 to be used as the new standard. What are you guys yeah. doing? Yeah. Jesus. So I've seen people who are what well, I'm sorry, I, I was on a I was told about people, and these are from like very sophisticated syndicators who are looking at other people's deals mm-hmm. who have been seeing stuff like projections of four or five percent rent growth through the whole 10-year hold, right? Not 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 even I, I could totally understand if you're like you know the market is super hot and you expect, you know. Yeah. 10% rent growth to continue another year. So you're willing to underwrite the first year at five, right? right. Like that, that I understand. Yeah, that. that's, I, that's not, 
that's not what I'm seeing. (laughs) But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about we're talking about about underwriting the whole thing at five, Uh right? And then on top of that, um, underwriting the exit cap rate at lower than what you went in at. Yeah. Right. And not at and and that's so assuming cap rate compression and you're at the top of the market like just the whole shaking it's like it's this is not good you could assume you could i would not assume it but if i were buying at the bottom of the market i would scenario plan some cap rate compression right because you if i'm buying at very high cap rates i'm yeah one of one of the possible scenarios is that and and lots of people sort of plan to do this they buy at at the low point in the market at expanded cap rates and they plan to sell at the top right so they get cap rate compression but you wouldn't underwrite that and you wouldn't tell your investors that right no but but, wow yeah right but but now what people are doing in order to make the numbers work they're planning on cap rate compression buying at this point in the cycle and and this is where like three years ago people were saying oh we're in the ninth inning of this real estate cycle so now we're in like the 12th inning yes and and so and so it's it's just this is what we're seeing out there. Yeah, this is why I, I, I saw a deal in my market, Jonathan. That my my market again, Central Valley of California. It's it's typically like an eight eight and a half cap in a normal market, yeah. that, and it's been trading in the high fives recently. I saw somebody talking about seeing it go down to four and a half. I'm like, you're crazy. That is, you're writing that into your kind of prospectus, like. No thanks. I mean, listen, it could happen. Oh, right. Yeah, maybe you say it won't happen, but but you just <laughs> that's at, awful risky. Yeah, you just don't go and like use that assumption, which is really like your best case scenario yeah. as like what you go the standard, you. right? That's the baseline. What? It's also just short sighted, right? Because yeah. you want to, as a sponsor, you know, under promise and over over deliver, right? Yeah. And if you're having to over promise in order to to make the deals work, then you've got, you've got an issue. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun, Jonathan. Thank you for this time. Where can people find you and get part of your world? Yeah. So come uh, to my Facebook group, which is free. It's called the multifamily investment community. Uh, And I would appreciate it if uh, you try to join the first time on a computer, because there are some mandatory questions uh, that you must answer um, to get into the group. And if, if you don't answer them, you don't get in that period. Like there's no exceptions to that. So uh, you got to come on a computer the first time, but after that, you can always use your phone. So multifamily investment community, just search for it on Facebook and, and it's a fun group. We do lots of, Oh yeah. You know, I'm a part of it. It's a great fun. group. You ask great questions, a lot of interaction, no spam, uh, do yourself a favor, join and do them a favor. Let, let them know it came from one rental at a time. So you yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, please do. It, it always, uh, it's nice. You know, it's nice to see. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm.